for all forms, writing dialogue is almost like writing music. I pay close attention to rhythms and tones. Safi Ada. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. Today's episode is one that I've seen a couple of times on the forums, and I feel like it's one that a lot of people are holding themselves to a higher standard than they really should be. The question is, what do I do if all I'm writing is dialogue? And our quick answer is, just keep writing. Trust yourself to edit it later. It's one of those things that, especially in your first draft, you don't necessarily need to focus on all of the blocking details, all of the other filler details. Just get what's happening down on the scene, and you can edit it later. To go into more detail, what do I do if all I'm writing is? It means you're writing. Whatever the end of that question happens to be, you're writing. And that is the goal. Writing selfishly even better. If the muse is calling to you, just write a wall of dialogue. Completely okay. This is a time where you really have to trust yourself. Trust that you're going to go edit it later into something functional, into something that works. But sometimes you just have to follow the muse. If the muse is saying you need to get this conversation out, get the conversation out and you can add in the stuff later. Now, I will say if you're asking this question and you feel like it's a problem, you've probably written three or four chapters at this point that is just dialogue, that might be because your instincts are tuned towards scripting right now. That means you've probably been either reading or watching a lot of TV and movies. So you're thinking about just the dialogue that happens in the scene because that's the main thing you're ingesting. Make sure you're reading something that's in the genre of what you're writing, and then your instincts will kick back in as far as how to write the stuff outside of dialogue. And for all of you audiobook listeners out there, if you can, I do encourage you to actually pick up a book and read instead of listen when you're trying to do this. It is helpful to see on the page how sentences are broken up because when you are listening to it audibly, sometimes your brain doesn't quite make that distinction between dialogue and narration. At least mine doesn't, especially when you have like internal thought narration. And I do want to say that some of my favorite moments in books that I've read have been pages of dialogue without even dialogue tags. It can be done. It can be done well. You'll still have to edit it to make sure those voices are right. But if all you're writing is dialogue, that can still be very entertaining. So when you do sit down to edit it in order to make these scenes functional, how do you go about doing that when you're editing? The rest of this episode is for future self, not for first draft self. So refer back to this episode when you get to that point. The first thing that I advise is actually something that came from my director training in theater, and that is to give your character something to do that has nothing to do with the conversation. You and I are talking about what to do with the body upstairs while I'm baking meat pies. It is very rare that anybody in a conversation is going to be just sitting there staring at the other person doing nothing else thinking nothing else unless there are microphones in front of us right? <laughs> well even then we are sitting here 
hitting our microphone stands quite a bit because neither of us can talk without flailing our limbs. (laughs) It's true. So even if they aren't doing something like sweeping or driving or baking or sharpening a sword or whatever, they're going to be making motions. They're going to be making facial expressions or expressing their emotions in some way. And this is a really good opportunity to do this. We're talking about the body upstairs that we need to take care of. You are working on meat pies, kneading dough and throwing it around because you're still angry that there's a body upstairs. There's also this great ability to buy time for people to answer the question so it doesn't feel patty cake. It doesn't feel unnatural. I'm going to throw my dough down really loud and start working on it and maybe clatter with a rolling pin before I answer because that buys me a good four or five seconds to think through how I want to respond. And by telling those actions to your audience, you're able to covertly buy those few seconds in your readers' minds as well, because they have to spend that time reading the actions, and they get a much better idea of that rhythm that the opener was talking about. If you're looking for good places to stick this action or to maybe fix your dialogue, Look for the lines that don't feel natural. Look for a line where a character is saying something out loud that both of the characters involved in the scene already know. Another unnatural feeling in dialogue is those monologues, those really long sentences having a full paragraph where the character is speaking and no one is even reacting to the jokes that they're telling or the orders that they're giving, these kind of things. You can still have a character monologue. You can have Aragorn run back and forth in front of the gates of Mordor going, guys, this is why we're doing this. He's monologuing, but if you watch that scene, there are reaction shots. There are people visually responding, even if they're not verbally responding. So break up those really long sentences with those reactions, with the character stopping to take a breath pausing for the crowd to react and they just stare at him like, okay, weirdo. You can do so much with that call and response, even if the character is monologuing. In that same vein, even if it's not a really long sentence, look for chunks of sentences together. Look for too many sentences without a response. So those really long sentences or too many sentences all at once, all a problem. And if a line doesn't feel natural, call yourself on it. Have another one of the characters go, are you really trying to quote Shakespeare right now? Because you got that all wrong. Make it humorous. And then your audience will be like, yes, I agree with this other character if I don't agree with that character. The next thing to keep an eye out for is when you have awkward dialogue. Convert that awkward dialogue to subtext. We have a whole episode from several years back at this point about subtext, and I maintain it is one of the easiest indicators for good writing out there is when you have subtext in a scene. If you can take something that on the page is reading strangely and convert it into subtext, then it can be much more enjoyable because the reader feels like they're catching on, they're engaged, they're enjoying the conversation as it's happening. And they can read a lot more smoothly when that information from a line that is awkward feeling is turned into a gesture or a tick or a movement that that character is making. It reads 
better for the reader. Readers actually don't like being told everything. This is a perfect time for the show don't tell when you have awkward dialogue. And that segues really nicely into our next point. Have your characters lie. Especially if you're trying to convey information that both of the characters already know. Lying is so much more fun. Character A can ask character B, did you eat the last cookie? Character B can have that gesture, that subtext of rubbing his neck and kind of shrugging his shoulders a little bit and going, no, question mark? No, I didn't eat the cookie? This subtext of the lie really adds a whole deeper layer to the conversation with what the reader knows versus what the characters know. So the reader may know and understand that it's a lie, but the character isn't getting that same information. When you are including those lies, try to write it from the liar's point of view so that the reader does know and understand that, unless they've been provided that information previously. Now, the exception, of course, is if you're writing something like a thriller or a murder mystery where the lie and figuring it out is part of the story. And the last bit of advice that we have if you're trying to identify if it's awkward dialogue or not is to act it out. Make sure you're home alone, you're not performing for anyone, but walk through the scene from both characters' point of view and make sure it feels natural. Where are you breathing? That's really hard to tell if you aren't actually saying the lines out loud. When do you get bored of your own voice? It's time to hop to a different character. Imagine some of the best actors out there performing this dialogue. What would Patrick Stewart add to this conversation to make it riveting and interesting? What sort of expressions are they going to be making? What sort of gestures and motions are they going to do? Is your character going to awkwardly shuffle his hair because he feels a little weird and self-conscious? Is she going to twirl her hair around her finger because she's feeling particularly flirty or whatever? I mentioned Patrick Stewart and you have two examples about hair. Yes. <laughs> These are the sort of things that can really help you out by adding action, by adding movement and expression and emotion. Then you really cut down on a lot of the unnaturally long sentences and monologues and unending back and forths. When you are trying to do something where it is quick and you don't need a lot of action to it, you have to make sure that your scene is still moving very quickly. Because that is why you want to break up dialogue, is to keep things moving. Where dialogue, if not done right, slows things down. And I'm going to refer back to our opener again, because we've used a couple of quotes that say something similar. And I really like this advice of if you have this musical element to your story, you're paying attention to when the silences are as much as the words. You're paying attention to the emotions underneath the melody, the text of what's happening. This push and pull of tempo is a lot of what dialogue is about. So when you read that, notice it, figure out why it's working for you or why it's not working for you. And then when you sit down to put your own dialogue to paper, write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>